1: Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have as our special guest, Philip Pape, owner and head coach of Wits and Weights, a top 25 nutrition podcast and nutrition lifestyle coaching business. And I'm Mary
2: Elkins. Philip is a husband, father, and techie with a passion for strength training and nutrition science. We're going to have some fabulous tips from him on building muscle and losing fat. Welcome, Philip. Thank you so much for having me. it's a pleasure to be here. Great to have yeah. you.
1: Thanks. Tell us about your background and how you got to where you are now
0: yeah so uh, most of my life, I was not very athletic. I was not into sports or anything like that um, and throughout my twenties and thirties, I was an engineer and um, a family man right so I got married when I was about 25, 26, I had a couple girls um, two daughters and Throughout my 30s and 40s I did everything I possibly could do to try to lose weight, you know, improve my body composition, improve my physique, eat better. Mm-hmm. I tried all the diets, I tried the, you know, keto and <clears throat> Atkins and uh slim fast even back in the day. Intermittent fasting, I did CrossFit for almost a decade, so many things and nothing really worked. And it wasn't until I was about to turn 40, we're talking 2019, when I finally started to discover some things that actually worked in the realm of strength training and later on nutrition. And we Mm -hmm. can get into some of the details there, especially for the particular audience we want to address with women over 50. But uh, when I was about turning 40, COVID hit, right? COVID hit, the pandemic shut us down, the gym shut down. I was without any equipment, without a coach. And I had just started that journey of discovering how to get strong, how to build muscle, um, and it was that year where I dived in and just, I started listening to podcasts, you know, watching videos, reading books, treating this like the skill that it needs to be. Just mm-hmm. like when you want to improve you know, public speaking skill or get better at your job or at your relationship, these are all skills that we need to get better at. But most people don't know what to do. Many of us think we do. Many of us are very uh, hardworking people with careers and families
1: mm-hmm. who... Mm-hmm
0: you know, go to the gym and we do the diets and still don't necessarily get the results we want. And so something is missing in that equation. And so I kind of finally figured that out through what I like to call evidence-based fitness, evidence-based nutrition um, by, you know, following individuals, experts, uh, reading papers, reading books, all that. And I went through my first, I'll call it transformation over about a year and a half where I built muscle for the first time. That I never could do do before, you know, saw mm-hmm. a little definition in my clothes, things like that. And then after I gained way too much weight than I wanted to, doing that, I learned about nutrition um, that allowed me to lose some fat uh, in a pretty short period of time, getting into the 2021 timeframe. So I was very excited. Of course, um, my wife was as well. And I'm like, is this going to stick? Because <laughs> so many of us mm-hmm. go through weight loss journeys or different things, and uh, we de- we can't maintain them. And it stuck because what I was doing was sustainable. What I was doing actually worked. I understood how to engineer my body. And that's the term I like to use is physique Uh engineering. And once you did that, you get a level of clarity and confidence in the future. So late 2021, I started my podcast. Now, a lot of people, I understand, start podcasts either as a hobby or to support their business. Uh And I was doing it as a passion project at the time. Um, in fact, it was a Toastmasters project. If you're familiar with that organization, uh-huh.
2: um, public yeah. speaking, right? sure. Yeah.
0: So I started the podcast. I said, I went through this transformation, really excited, wanted to share. I love to talk as you can tell. And <laughs> that started to take off, not, not take off. I mean, I probably had, you know, zero listeners from episode one, zero listeners. After, and then it probably went up from there. You know how it is a podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and after about 10, 15 episodes, I had my first interview guest. She was a power lifter who was also a coworker of mine. And after the interview, or not after the interview, before the interview, she binged my show. This is the way she put it. She's like, I started listening to the show. I binged all the episodes because what you were sharing finally gave me understanding and clarity on why the things my coaches tell me to do work. So mm-hmm. she had a nutrition coach. She had a powerlifting coach. She was a competitive powerlifter. And she did all the things they told her to do and they worked, but she didn't know why. And she said, your podcast helped me understand that. I said, ah. So something clicked that education is so important because even if you stumble on the right thing, you may not know how to repeat it (laughs) if you don't have that Mm -hmm. education. Yeah. So she then said, "Do, do you coach? Because I need a nutrition coach. You know, my contract's expiring. And I said, "Let me look into that." So mm-hmm. I took messy action. I got certified. We're talking, you know, three, four months later. I went through the whole process, working with a bunch of uh, free clients, and I became a nutrition coach at that point. But um, since that time, you know, the business has grown. But more importantly, I've gotten to see so many people do what I went through and have that like that smile and that that those bright eyes of clarity and knowledge that. After the six months we worked together, they could literally, you know, share share it to ten other people and have them do the same thing at Infinitum, right? It, it it pays off exponentially. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my rambling story. That's,
2: that's <laughs> great. That. That's great. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, only, met- I'm
1: only one episode into your podcast and I've learned a lot. So I'm going to listen to a lot awesome. more. Awesome. And and, yeah. and
2: I am too. Uh, you mentioned women over fifty, and we know you work with many age groups, but Let's talk about women over 50. Is it possible to build muscle after the age of 50? And how do you get started and what are the benefits?
0: So when we talk about muscle, it's, it's really helpful to understand what happens to our bodies as we age to then see what we can <laughs> do about it. As we age, right, we tend to find that our metabolism slow down, right? We tend to find that maybe we gain weight more easily, Right. Uh, and there's all these symptoms that make us feel like, well, things aren't quite what they were when we were in our 20s. Yeah. And when you break it down and you see why that is, it almost always comes down to muscle mass. It really mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do with age or gender. It really has to do with how much muscle you have on your frame. Because from the age of 40 on, you lose between 3 and 8% of your muscle every decade. Uh So if you looked at like an image of somebody's thigh, like a cross section, and you compared a 40-year-old to a seven-year-old, you're going to see the same same diameter, but you're going to see a lot more fat and less muscle as they age, like the composition changes. Uh So there's more and more fat, less and less muscle. You're weaker. That means your bone density gets smaller, chance of osteoporosis, chance of frailty, chance of injury, and all those things happen. And we think it's inevitable, but it's not. So the question is, what can you do about it? strength training, you know, resistance training which we're going to get into, is the way not only to stop that but to count, but to reverse it and you are never too old to start. I've seen 80-year-olds lift a barbell for the first time in their entire life, you know, any they lifted any weight in their entire life and be able to do a deadlift and be able to go up and weight every session and get stronger and all of a sudden they can get off the toilet or they can, you know, <laughs> do the very basics. Then they can start going upstairs. Then they can um you know, actually Mm -hmm. maybe even compete. I don't know. There's, there's like a whole range, but the point is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. It's never too late to start. And I don't know if you've heard the adage, the best time to start is 20 years ago. The Uh second (laughs) best time to
1: start is today. And now. Oh, I love (laughs) that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Do you think women over 50 can get bulky from strength training?
0: Yeah, this is a long this is a long held myth. I don't know how common. I mean, I don't know how, how
1: common do you guys think it is. Uh, I, just I, I don't see any people over fifty that are bulky. So okay,
0: I, <laughs> that's one perspective. They, they, and that could be because people are bad yeah. on
2: them. Yeah. There yeah, you go. They're bulky in a different see way. Muscle. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, and they're beer, bulgy, but not bulky. That's
2: right. Bare bellies and and uh, thighs.
1: <laughs> there you but, go. But you uh, mentioned somebody funny. eighty, and I'm wondering is it dangerous for women over fifty to Lift heavy weights? No, no. First of all, first of all, the bulky
0: thing. I, I was joking about it, but in reality, yeah, I like to say that it's hard for me as a man to try to get bulky. Like that takes a lot of work for me to try to get bulky. Let alone a woman, and and women who are looking for that physique that they that that generally is. I don't want to say the ideal body type because there's so many different body types. There's different levels of what's considered uh, beautiful, right? It's really what you want. Mm-hmm. But generally mm-hmm. that idea of like trimmer waist, you know, um, you know, your clothes fit better, uh, you feel better, all that, it comes from muscle, right? And yeah. so when you see a lean or toned woman, right, it tends to be muscle. The nice thing about having muscle is you can actually carry a higher body fat, the more muscle, I mean, a higher weight, the more muscle you carry.
1: Uh-huh. So if yeah. I
0: showed you a picture of a woman who's been training for, let's say, two or three years, she probably has put on, you know, 10, 15 pounds of muscle or a wow. man might put on 25 in that time frame, you know, training hard, training properly. Um, she's going to probably be 30 pounds heavier than you think, you know, 20 to 30 pounds heavier than you think based on looking at her because muscle is denser, right? Mm-hmm. And muscle sort of pushes out the fat a little bit and kind of tightens the the look. So anyway, you're not going to get bulky. Long story short, Mm -hmm. Um, as far as how, as far as whether it's dangerous, I think lifting weights makes things safer and reduces your chance of injury. So this Mm -hmm. is the way I like to say it, because when you go and you pick up that box to put it up in in the trunk of the car, when you go to pick up your grandkids, you're, you're, you're applying a load to your body that the older you get, the less weak, the, the weaker you are. The more chance of injury you have from that, yeah, that's true. Or if you fall, you have a chance of breaking something or tearing a tendon, right? But if you're stronger, any part of you is stronger. um, You're going to actually have a safer existence because now you could fall and be more resilient, or not even fall because you have
2: better balance. Exactly, exactly. Not even (laughs) catch yourself before you fall.
1: But does it have to be the the weights like in the gym with the barbells, or can you just do, uh, uh, you know? Free weights. Yeah, that's a great question.
2: Or
0: Pilates. So we need to separate principles from methods, right? So I don't know, again, another adage, like there are many, methods are many, principles are few, right? Like there's a lot of ways to get from A to B, but the principles are the same. So I want to split the two up. The principle of strength training I'm talking about is placing a load on your body and increasing that load over time so that you get stronger, so that your body adapts to the load and you get stronger. The method to do that, there are many. You could do body weight, bands, dumbbells, machines, barbells, right? But the principle has to be satisfied that you are adding more stress to your body every time, just a little bit. So the reason I personally like barbells, for example, is they're symmetrical, they're bilateral. You know what I mean? Like You, you use both your mm-hmm. legs, both your arms. They're very adjustable. You can go from a very light, like 15 pound dumbbell or barbell, or even a broom handle if you're like weaker and older and you, you've never done it before. And you could always build up from there. And you could add like plates that just go up a little bit at a time each time. It's very hard to do that with dumbbells because dumbbells skip like five pounds at a time. And you only have so many that you can choose from. Uh, machines you can do it with that have like the little sliders and the mm-hmm. weight stacks. But again, mm-hmm. you, you have to use the right machines because some machines are not going to be very effective. Um, and then body weight and bands can work, but you might, out, you might uh, get stronger than they can challenge you at some point. So if you start with bands, after a month or two, if you're doing that, they may not be strong enough to let you progress. So uh-huh. the, the key is progressive overload. Mm-hmm. However you do that, the methods are many. Um, and, and, and that's how you make progress.
2: Well, how do you prevent stress on your back? And also, this is an Mm. image I have in my mind, but can a woman over 50 get abs?
0: (laughs) Okay. So two questions, right? One about the back and one about the abs. Okay. So the back, this is, I love this one. Would you rather have a weak bad back or a strong bad back?
2: (laughs) Well, Okay. okay. I'd rather have a strong one. Okay. And the reason I say it that
0: way is because humans inevitably over the age of 30, you know, we didn't evolve to live this long. We just <laughs> didn't. So um, we're, we're built good enough to last until like our 30s and 40s. Beyond that, all sorts of things start to deteriorate, including our our back, our spine and, our, you know, uh, bulging discs and deteriorating discs and things like that. It happens to everybody. If you took an MRI of a of, of 45-year-old or 50-year-old, everybody will have something on there and likely not have symptoms. You know, very few will have actual symptoms, something like 60 or 70% of people. It's crazy. Wow. So low, low back health is a big concern in the Western world because we sit, we sit all day. That's Mm -hmm. the main reason. it's a concern. Mm -hmm. We sit all day and we don't squat. We don't use our body the way like a baby or a kid would use it anymore. We just sit all day. So if you strengthen the back, if you strengthen the muscles that go along the back, like the, um, uh, the, the rope-like muscles that go along your spine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the term and I use it all the time. But anyway, um, you do that with things like squats and deadlifts. Okay. Oh. Why does a deadlift make that strong? Because a deadlift is picking something off the ground. When you think about it, when you pick up something off the ground, you're hinging your hips and your back is really tight as you pick the thing up. It stays tight, right? Like you, you know, you pick it up. That is an isometric contraction that strengthens those muscles. So the higher you go over time and load, you know, on the barbell, dumbbells, whatever, the more strong those get. And guess what? You're supporting now, your spine. You're supporting your spine. So now you have a less chance of an injury with your spine. Your back feels healthier. So a lot of people that have low back pain, deadlifting and getting strong often allevi- alleviates the pain.
2: What um, about which, squats? as well as
0: walking and moving? Yeah.
2: What about yeah, squats?
0: Yes, squats as well. Squats as well. It's a similar idea, right? Because you're using your legs and hips. When mm-hmm. your back is staying strong as you right. go down and up now poor form can definitely cause issues. So mm-hmm. anybody listening who wants to get into lifting should definitely work with a personal trainer or coach or a community of lifters or whatever to give you that feedback, um, to make sure you're doing it right. But then once you've got the form down, then it's just a matter of putting the pedal to the metal and, and getting stronger over time.
2: Yeah. Well, uh-huh. what, what, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what happens? To well, you asked heart- about abs too. I did. You I asked did. About but, abs, too, and so. don't don't <laughs> abs don't abs relate to back strength?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Per, that's the perfect uh, thing you're asking, right? Because the abs, both the uh, surface abs, right, the rectus abdominis that we all like to look at with the six pack and the obliques, yeah. and the uh, what some people call the deep core, which is like the muscles uh, a layer deep into the uh, body. Um, all of those are Um, stabilizers, right? So when you do a deadlift or when you do uh, any full body movement, really deadlift, squatting, pressing, pressing overhead, bench pressing. If you do them right, you're using your whole kinetic chain and your whole body. And so your back and your stabilizer muscles are used all the time. This is why I don't like certain machines that prevent you from doing that. Mm -hmm. Like for example, um, the, the machines in gyms where you kind of sit down and you're in a restricted range of motion and you're kind of moving, like in one, one plane, right? It prevents you from using your, your stabilizer muscles. So that's a great question. That's why I like free
2: weights, you know, more than other stuff. Well, talk about mm-hmm. metabolism. What happens after the age of 50 for men and women? Mm.
0: So metabolism is a, a, a big topic and I, um, I love to talk about it. So <laughs> slow me <laughs> down, if I talk too much about it. Um, so we like to say that our metabolism slow down. Right. Oh, my metabolism has slowed down. I can't eat what I ate in my 20s. Right. If I eat the same that I ate in my 20s, I'm going to gain weight. So, a few things are going on. First of all, we're probably less active as we age. So, you got to account for that. Right. We probably have more stress as we age because we have more obligations. (laughs) Um, But the most important thing is that we've lost muscle mass. So, going back to my very first point, Mm -hmm. metabolism, if you took two women, same age, same height, same weight, but one had 10% less body fat, that woman would burn more calories. Mm. Okay. Uh On average, right? there's individual variation with everything. But if you took like every woman in the world that was exactly that size, the only difference between their metabolism would be associated with their body fat, with their muscle. Same thing, Uh right? More fat means less muscle and vice versa. So if we know that, we know that adding muscle increases our metabolism like permanently, uh, meaning uh, you know, your resting metabolic rate can go up. Now, it's not massive. It's probably like 100 calories for every 10 pounds of muscle, right? But muscle has all these other protective effects that we've talked about for your bone density, for your heart rate, for a million other uh, things. So right. um, yes, your metabolism will decline if you don't have muscle. So strength training, get muscle, and it'll go back up.
1: Well, why should we focus on performance instead of weight loss to get lean?
0: Weight loss is, uh, would you say it's probably the number one outcome that is sold by the fitness industry?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And and it's a problem because weight on the scale is one tiny metric, right? And mm-hmm. when you focus on it and we tie weight and being a, at a certain number to ideal body type or body image, uh, you know, standards, um, we exclude everything else that supports our health. We exclude how much muscle you have. We exclude our blood pressure and our heart rate. We exclude our hunger. We exclude all these things. All we care about is that number on the scale. What, what it ends up it ends up doing is crash dieting, yo-yo yeah. dieting, restrictive dieting, right? This mm-hmm. is extremely common. Most women try 120 diets in their lifetime. Ooh. You know, Ooh. Have, it's like... A, <laughs> It is. And you could probably, you could, if you thought of any given year, how many, you know, in one year you, you try multiple diets sometimes and you yeah. kind of add it up, it adds up to a lot of diets from the time you're like 14 or whenever you start to get, you know, body image concerns that hammered mm-hmm. in from society all the way till, you know, the day you die, it could, you could believe that, that it's 120 oh, wow. diets. Um, and so when I say let's focus on performances instead a weight loss, it ties into the whole muscle building thing. If, if you came to me as a client, you're like, I want to improve my physique. I would say, okay. Or if you said you wanted to lose weight, I'd say, well, what do you really want? Right. Do you really want to lose weight? Or do you want the feeling that losing weight you think is going to give you? Um, and then it usually comes down to, well, no, I want to feel better. I want to look better in my clothes. I want to look, I want to be a role model for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to play with my grandkids, blah, 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 you know, on and on and on. Or maybe I just want to walk up the stairs, whatever it is. Yeah. And then we say, okay, then it's really Uh not about the number on the scale, right? It's about your capability and how you feel and look. So then we say, let's focus on performance and strength. Let's treat you like an athlete. Okay. You're Uh 55. You've never lifted before. doesn't matter. You're going to now have the mindset of an athlete with me. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to lift weights. It's not going to be that many hours in the gym, you know, three days a week for less than an hour. You don't have to do much cardio at all. Just go walk. And then we're going to focus on the nutrition side of things. When you start getting five pounds more in your squat each week or a new record on your bench press and you check in with me and you're like, I just benched 70 pounds. I never thought I could do that before. And that excitement for, for lifting instead of dieting, all of a sudden we, we want to fuel that lifting with how we eat. So mm-hmm. having a performance mindset, then you say, okay, well, then I know I need a bunch of protein. I know carbs are actually important. I'm not going to cut carbs anymore because they help me. They help my hormones. They help my recovery and performance. I actually need more calories. Most of my, my women clients, and they start with me, they're under eating and they need to eat more. And all of a sudden, what happens? You start to lift more. You start to build muscle. Your waist size comes down. Your fat comes down. The weight on the scale doesn't even change. And you're starting to get exactly what you wanted, and it has nothing to do with weight loss.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so great. I, hopefully
0: I painted that that picture for you. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. to well, why we like performance. And even yeah. with the well, weight
1: staying the same on the scale, you could look better in your clothes, right? Yes,
0: yes exactly. Because your body yeah. composition has improved. I, I've mm-hmm. seen
2: dancers, thin, lean dancers, and when they get on the scale, they weigh a lot more than you than you think they weigh. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, exactly. talk about diet, if you would, and especially those going through peri and post-menopause.
0: Yeah, so you know, there is, no one, there is one no perfect diet, right? The diet, the way you eat has to be individualized for you. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be complicated. It doesn't mean you have to go buy some book that tells you here's your blood type or here's your body type and here's what food you eat. I'd like to kind of step back and talk about the difference between restrictive or rigid dieting and flexible dieting, all right, so when you think of a diet, what do you think of? Think of
2: like keto,
1: right uh, usually eliminating carbs and yeah. sugar
2: eliminating carbs and sugar <laughs> it, it, well okay. you have that great diet of only to eliminate all things that are white, meaning sugar bread there you pasta.
1: go pasta <laughs> yes, yes. Potatoes and, my and so what food. are these
0: what do these diets have in common? Elimination restriction, right? Right? right. Yeah. You, you, you have rules. They and, make you feel bad. They make you feel bad if you eat them, right? Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. make so all you think about is eating them
1: because you feel bad because you can't eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And as humans, we don't like that. Them, you feel bad because you can't eat them because you can't. And, and, exactly. And then, right. And so then we, all you yeah.
2: think about is eating them. Yeah, you yeah.
0: hit the nail on the head, right? So, yeah. rigid dieting, they've, they've done studies comparing two groups. One group has a rigid diet where you can eat this and you can't eat this. And the other group is told you need to stick within these calories and, and protein, you know, calories and macros, but you can eat whatever you want. Well, guess what happened? The group with the rigid diet felt restricted, like they couldn't do what they wanted to do, and they rebelled and they binged. <laughs> it led to eating disorders, it led to weight regain, right? And a poor relationship yeah. with food. And we, because we, counterintuitively, it's sold as the opposite. It's sold as the simple, sexy thing, you know, like the carnivore diet. All you have to do is eat animal products. You'll be fine. You'll lose a bunch of weight. You're good. Uh, but you realize how limiting that is and how yeah. disempowering it is. They're telling you exactly what to do. The flexible diet where, yes, you might count calories. And I know people use that as a bad term, but, you know, you're tracking what you eat. You're tracking how much and what constitutes what you eat. But you get to choose whatever you want. That group, they found, had a good relationship with food because they had choice. They mm-hmm. could manage their weight for a long time, and uh, they could sustain that diet for years and years and years. So that's the real difference when we talk about rigid versus flexible dieting. And so if you want to be specific for our population here, women, peri peripostmenopause, oftentimes the hormonal issues that we see are... Are not just from the natural imbalances that are occurring. They're from all the stress in your life. They're from the stress of, you know, actual life stress, family and obligations, and taking on so many mental and physical burdens for your family. But they're also from maybe doing too much in the gym, like too much cardio, too much running. You know, some women get into that mode of like the Peloton, and you know, it, maybe it's sports, maybe it's it's usually running. Running's a big one, okay, um, or spinning or something like that. It may be um, not sleeping enough, right? Because again, you're just doing too much. Maybe you're working a lot, whatever. You don't sleep enough. And all those stressors cause your body to compensate hormonally to conserve, to conserve calories. Wow. And so the very first thing I, I ask anyone to do who's listening is track your food for a while. Just track your food for a few weeks. I like Macrofactor. I think we were talking about that before we started recording. Um, it's a good app for that, but there's others. That's the one I like. I think some of them actually, um, some of those apps out there will backfire. (laughs) So you got to find the right one. The, the, The right one that doesn't judge you for when you miss your, you know, calorie targets, um, track your food for a while, know what's going into your mouth and then eat enough so that you are maintaining your weight. Now, what that means for a lot of women is they're thinking they're eating the right amount or maybe that they're dieting and it using it requires increasing calories in the form of carbohydrates and protein protein most women most men everybody under eats their protein by a wide margin and then a lot of people are on low carb diets so they've also been restricting their carbs and they have a lot of fat and there's nothing wrong with fat but it's just taking the place of carbs and carbs are where you get your energy and your recovery and they help your hormones and so on so eat more eat more protein and carbs see how you start to feel if you're in peri post menopause that combined with strength training could be the remedy that you need to get the hormones back in balance without medication, mm-hmm. without treatments. Uh-huh. You know? And I've seen this, I've seen this with my clients who've had those issues, DHEA, progesterone, testosterone, they're on creams, they're on synthetic T3, like you name it, the whole gamut, right? And, and, and their blood work starts to improve to where they might be able to come off of those. In some cases, mm-hmm. not all. So yeah, that, I hope that answers the and question. How
1: much, how much protein are you telling women to eat? Yeah, so the is rule there of thumb, of like some kind of gauge. Yeah.
0: yeah, the rule of thumb is between 0.8 and one gram per pound of weight, body weight. So 20, I, to be 20 more precise per yeah, one gram: point, 0.8 to one. Okay, so one is like the rule of thumb, but you don't have to eat that much. you could eat a little bit less than that. So 0.8 to one gram per pound of your target body weight. So just to keep it simple, if a woman weighs 150 pounds and isn't trying to gain or lose weight, just wants to eat better, um, they would aim for like 120 to 150 grams of protein. A day? A day. That's uh-huh.
2: yes. that's, a, that's a lot.
0: How do you get all that? It, it, it sounds like a lot. When, yeah, it sounds like a lot to most people because you're probably getting 60. If you think of how most people eat, you have a light breakfast with very little protein. You may not have snacks or if you do, they're like carby snacks, right? Or carby fat kind of junk food snacks. Let's admit it. Um, lunch <laughs> is like maybe a sandwich or maybe a salad, again, with not a lot of protein. And then dinner's where you have your protein. Right. Okay, thinking of the American standard kind of thing, you might have a bunch of chicken or beef or something. And so you get like maybe 30 grams of protein all day and then you top it off with another 40 at dinner and you end up with 60 to 80 grams. And you need almost right. double that in general. Wow. Okay. Here's what protein does for you. Um, protein is filling, right? Protein helps build and preserve muscle. You need more of it the older you are, and if you're a woman. So women need more than men. Uh, Older people need more than younger
2: people. That's a question I wanted to ask
0: you. Yes, because your ability to synthesize protein becomes less efficient as you age. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Men
2: and and
0: women, but women, it goes faster.
1: I think I I know the answer to this based on a couple things you said, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but is cardio an effective form of exercise? You kind of sounded like it maybe isn't.
0: Yeah. So here's here's cardio. Let's let's talk cardio. So we're gonna split up walking from the rest of cardio. So walking, yeah, you can walk. do as much as you want and no issues. Walking's great for you. It's the form of cardio that I recommend to everybody. Um, you know, eight to twelve thousand steps a day is a really solid number, but whatever's more than you're getting now is usually good. But cardio in the form of running, biking, all these other things, um, there's a limit to which you can do that before it starts to become a negative before it starts to become a stressor. So the rule of thumb I like is however many hours a week you lift limit to half that time for cardio and you're fine. Mm -hmm. So if you lift three, three days a week for an hour, that's three hours. Don't do more than an hour and a half of cardio. So I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it's not, it can't be used at all, but there's a few things that happen with cardio. First of all, let's take running. It's, It tears up your muscle fibers when you run just a little bit. So it impedes recovery from the day to day when you're lifting weights. So you lift weights, you know, you tear some muscles, you sleep, you recover. Two days later, you come back into the gym with a little bit more muscle tissue and you're stronger. Running can interrupt that process a bit, just a bit, if you do too much of it.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, Second, running can be stressful just from a, like a physical stress, right? You just do it. You're pounding the pavement. Um, you're keeping the heart rate high. We know cardiovascular health is excellent and I'm not discounting. That's why I'm okay with some cardio and walking. Uh, but too much of it could actually cause stress, like it could increase your cortisol, right? Your stress hormone and prevent Mm -hmm. it from declining like it needs to during the day, leading to stress. Stress makes fat loss harder. Okay. Mm -hmm. Third thing, if you do too much cardio, your body thinks, Hey, this person needs to be an endurance machine not a muscle building machine. Therefore, mm-hmm. the body conserves energy. <laughs> so the more calories you're trying to burn, the more your body's fighting back and trying to compensate and conserve, conserve, conserve. So now every extra 100 calories you burn might only actually burn 50. And then the next 100 might only burn 25. And so mm-hmm. you're doing all this extra running for no reason. Your metabolism is kind <laughs> of shrinking. And now you're just defeating the whole purpose of why people think
1: they're running. <laughs> so that's, yeah, my, that's more- my take on it. I yeah. think more and more experts are coming to that conclusion. I'm hearing that around a little bit more, where we didn't hear mm-hmm. that before. Running was always the answer. Yeah, right? I,
0: I hope so. I hope so. I hope that um, you know, resistance training, kind of the complete package, is becoming more well known as the, But a lot of people it still do it. <laughs> I mean, I know that yeah. most, most of my clients come in doing it, and I say, let's just back back off, back off. And most most um, I'll tell you, most women that come to me, and I say that they kind of, what, you know, or, or they smile like, okay, you don't want me to do all this extra cardio, fine with me. <laughs>
1: yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd be really happy.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if if you spend your 20s and 30s and 40s running, in your 50s, you're going to be at the doctor with having knee and hip <laughs> replacements. <laughs> Use that too, yeah. Um, yeah, so talk about intermittent yeah. fasting and if it's effective for weight loss and if it's good for mm-hmm. you
0: intermittent fasting is one of those things where there's some truth in it, and then there's all the mythology around it. And so what most people claim is that just like any diet, it's this this magic elixir for losing fat, and that in this fasting window, um, let's define intermittent fasting first it's it's you know fasting for a certain amount of time and then eating in a tighter window, which everyone does that anyway when you you sleep for eight hours, that's fasting and then you uh-huh. eat. But intermittent fasting, you usually extend that. So maybe you skip breakfast and eat a late lunch and then an early dinner. And now you're eating within like a four to eight hour window. There are all these claims about fasting. It's going to increase, increase your um, what's called autophagy, which is like cell recovery, cell... Uh, I, I can't even define it, but it's like where your cells clean themselves out and kind of repair themselves. Uh, there's uh, increasing growth hormone, they claim. There's all these claims. That we find is actually a wash, meaning if you fast longer, you're ga- gaining something here and sacrificing something over here and it comes out to be a wash. What, when we talk about fat loss, what do we care about at the end of the day? We care about a calorie deficit, right? Can you induce a loss of fat because you're in a deficit? Intermittent fasting is equally effective as not intermittent fasting for doing that, meaning a, a normal feeding schedule, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner with snacks is just as effective as intermittent fasting the one reason you would use intermittent fasting is if it's good for your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, and and that doesn't have to be a permanent thing. So for example, if you came to me and we were eating a bunch of food and training and we're at maintenance and then we say, okay, let's go into our fat loss phase. We're going to have to reduce calories a bit. Those calories might be so tight for you, not restrictive, but just kind of like on that edge of, "Eh, I might get a little more hungry than I like. I'm going to cut out a meal and just squeeze the rest of the meals together. And the time that I'm not eating, you know, my body's cool with it. And then when I'm eating, I get to have bigger meals. And so for my lifestyle, that allows me to stick with it. That would be oh, why I, I use intermittent fasting. No oh. other reason. So that's, that's oh, your Oh, I get
1: it. And yeah. considering all that we've talked about, what would you say is the best overall approach for building muscle, losing fat, and improving your health and physique at any age?
0: Yeah, I think we touched on A lot of it, um, I think of it as a checklist and with any of these checklists, you don't have to do everything on day one. So Uh I want to make that clear to the listener. (laughs) If you feel overwhelmed, if you're like, oh, this is just so much. And now I'm paralyzed with indecision. I'm I'm," no, um, I would prioritize at the top, some form of movement. Right. Uh And by movement, that could be walking. Like if you are just very sedentary and you're sitting down all day and getting two or 3000 steps a day and you can get 5,000 steps a day for the next few weeks by adding in a walk after your meals, go for it. That's awesome. That's going to lead you to get a little bit mentally refreshed and wanting to do more. Right. And then you keep going. Uh, That's movement. The second thing is strength training. I mean, obviously I've been talking about it the whole time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any form of getting you to use those muscles, I'll tell you what, it feels great. It really feels great. And the excuse of like, I don't like to do it. It means you just haven't found the right way to do it for you you know mm. but find something that works for you it could be in a class it could be with a trainer it could be with you know a coach like me it could be with anybody uh find a community find a way that's going to make you enjoy it and get the the results so mm. uh, movement strength training and then uh nutrition i would focus on protein i would just focus on protein and getting enough right cuz i don't again i don't want to give your listeners like the 20 things that i would <laughs> do with a client because that's just going to be overwhelming so movement training uh protein and then getting enough sleep and we'll leave it at that getting trying to get at least seven hours of sleep a day which means
2: eight hours of sleep in bed
0: Mm. eight hours
2: in bed yeah
0: Mm.
2: well what Uh i what would they be the best protein for someone who doesn't really like to eat a lot of heavy Mm. protein hmm Yeah. You kind of alluded
0: to this earlier and I didn't answer it. So to get enough protein, let's think of all the sources we have meat, right? So we have beef, turkey, chicken, and pork. We have fish and seafood, which is very high in protein. So shellfish, uh, all the different types of fish, salmon, you know, halibut, whatever you like, um, tuna, mahi-mahi. Um, and we have, um, eggs, right? Eggs, egg whites, whole eggs, whatever, you know, Then we have all the dairy products. So we have things like cottage cheese and Greek yogurt are really high in protein. And you can get different levels of fat depending on where you are in your nutrition right now. So you can get full fat, 2%, 1% fat-free. You know, Oikos makes a really good brand. It's like fat-free with vanilla Mm -hmm. or whatever. And um, so that's dairy products, including milk. Milk could work as well. But again, you got to watch out for the fat. Uh, And then we have plant-based sources, right? Mm -hmm. So we have legumes, grains, like oats. Quinoa, have a lot of protein. So if you have a really diverse diet, pretty much of whole foods, say 80% whole foods, because I'm not going to tell you to restrict all processed foods. I want you to have your indulgences. I want to have you, you have your donut or birthday cake, your glass of wine, whatever you like, fit it in there into the 10 or 20%, kind of like a budget. And then the rest of it is whole foods. Um, And then the final thing is if you need a protein shake, uh, most of my clients do have to have at least one protein shake a day just because you need so much. I usually take one or two a day myself around my workouts. So that would be whey protein. Or if you are uh, a vegan or vegetarian, it could be um, pea rice blend. That's my favorite like vegan protein. And if you have an intolerance to either of those, you could get a beef isolate protein. So Mm -hmm. I think I covered the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and So that's... now you, all you have to do is figure out your day. How are you going to get 120 grams of protein? Yeah. Right?
2: Math. Well, what about Four snacks, nuts? 30 grams what, each. What about nuts? Um,
0: okay, I'm glad you asked. So the problem with, not the problem with, but like nuts and peanut butter and nut butters is they're very high in fat, and not that much, not that high in protein. So I don't mm. even think of them as a source of protein. I think of them as a good, healthy fat. You know, they don't have much protein. Mm. Oh. I said that I have peanut butter in my oatmeal every day because I love it. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah thought, oh that sounds good with oatmeal. I haven't it, tried that. I it love does. It, is,
0: it sounds Just good. Just like but, a half tablespoon. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um sometimes I'll oh this is gonna be gross for some of your, our listeners, but um peanut butter and cottage cheese is really good. I, that does sound interesting. I've had <laughs> I peanut butter and Greek that. yogurt, but not well, cottage cheese. But I could well, I could see. It, yeah, yeah. So okay. Yeah. What is the biggest mistake people make when trying to improve their health and physique? The biggest mistake. Oh, um,
0: I think, let's see, there are so many because <laughs> I've made them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first thing that comes to mind is, is not taking action. So where, where I'm going with this is, you know, I talked at the very beginning of our interview That a lot of people know what they want, but they don't know how to get there. Right. And then they take action on these things that don't work and they're really good at taking action. I think a lot of Uh us are really like that. Like, we're not lazy people. You know, your listeners are not lazy. You're not lazy. So we can't use that. We don't want to use that as an excuse, but what's missing is the how. Now that you're armed with some information from this show, right, and you know some things that work and maybe dispelled some myths like the cardio myth. And if you're running on the treadmill every day, hoping to lose weight. You know, maybe that's not the effective way to do it. Now that you have the effective way to do it, what's stopping you from getting the results not by taking action on that? So when you take an action on something that works, what happens? It gives you a result and that motivates you to do more.
1: Mm.
0: Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, that that's a profound thing for me because for years I did things that didn't work, felt like I was on the rat, uh, what do you call it? The, the wheel, yeah. <laughs> the hamster wheel. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, what is this? Like, I guess my body is just broken. My metabolism is broken. It's just me. Or, it's, or for a lot of women, it's my hormones. It's my age. It's my metabolism. No, it's just not. you're, you're not doing the right thing. That's all. And that's a good mm-hmm. thing. It's empowering because once you have the right thing, taking action makes it easy because you'll get the result. So um, that's probably the, one, of the, one of the mistakes people make. What do you, what do you guys think? What, what, um,
1: I, I, I think the, the next thing I was going to ask you is my problem is that okay. people struggle with consistency. Yes, when it comes to their diet and exercise habits? And how can we solve that problem? What's the best way to get over the mental hurdle of that? Yes.
0: I like to solve mental issues with physical ones. Mm. So okay. where I'm going with this is um, what prevents consistency? It's either you're not getting a result or you're not motivated, right? And as mm-hmm. I just said, getting a result sometimes motivates you. But more often than not, it's a lack of awareness of what what what's going on like what is the feedback loop and so where i'm going with that is take nutrition as an example are you tracking your food if you just track your food for a few weeks you're going to learn so much more about your eating habits than you have in the last 20 years yeah you'll know you'll know you'll see it right in front of you it's just hard cold data oh i'm eating 2,000 extra calories on saturday because of the the nachos and the the drinks you know with with uh-huh. my friends, you know, we got to, I didn't realize I was eating that many more calories, even though I'm doing so well during the week, that's where I'm sabotaging my results. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? That allows you to, now you have power and you have to say, I'm going to make a change and you're going to make the change, right? And then see how that, that goes. Same thing with lifting. A lot of people just go to the gym and randomly do stuff. And, I, but why don't you have uh, the set of exercises you're going to do, how many sets, reps, how much weight you're going to do. And then you document it in a log or an app. And then for the next session on Wednesday, you say, okay, I need to go up a little bit of weight on all those lifts where I was successful. I'm going to plan that out and I'm going to execute and on and on and on. And that closes the feedback loop because then you know, if it's not working, something has to change,
2: you know? Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Well, what else would you say to someone who feels like they just can't make progress? What is the one main thing you would say to them?
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of reframing. So when they say I can't make progress, I'm going to, I'm going to really want to peer into like, what are you choosing to do or not to do? Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, is it that you, you're working out religiously sticking to your plan and you're not making progress or is it just upstream? Like, are we just not doing the things and let's work on those. You you know what I mean? So (laughs) it's, Like a little bit of his tough love, um, to be honest Uh about not making excuses or not lying to ourselves. Let's let's say it that way. We're not, we don't want to lie to ourselves and we do it every day. Like we lie to ourselves more than we lie to anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay. And and if you just ask yourself the question, if you're listening right now, ask yourself the question about whatever your problem is, whatever it is outside of fitness, it doesn't matter. What do I know I should be doing that I'm not doing? Uh You know, what do I know I should be doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. Now actually doing it, I get it, right? That's why people hire coaches in some cases. Like most of my clients have had trouble being consistent, sticking with it. And they hire me for two reasons. One, to get educated, because they're like, I just want to know what actually works. Please help me out. And number two, being consistent. Well, once you get educated and start tracking and become aware, the consistency part becomes a lot easier. It just does. Uh Because you start getting quick wins, you know, and you're like, okay, this works. Let me keep going. You know, it's just kind of closing that loop.
1: What would you like our listeners to have as their main takeaway today?
0: The main takeaway is that you can vastly improve your quality of life, your health, your strength, your muscle at any age. And it will also transform your life physically and mentally and emotionally in ways you never thought possible. So get started right now. Get started today. By today, I mean, write something down that you took away. Pause. Go back. I don't know. if you, I forget if you do timestamps, but go find the information, write it down now. What are you going to do tomorrow to get started? Are you going to track your steps and add two thousand steps? Are you going to find a workout program? Whatever it is, do it.
2: Oh, I, I love, love that. that. I, I'm right. going on my walk after we finish talking. See? I hope I
1: motivated you too. <laughs> Thank <laughs> She's you, Philip. Really Phillip. good walker. Yeah, good. I love it.
2: Walking's great. Yeah, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Philip Pape owner of Wits and Weights, a nutrition podcast and nutrition lifestyle coaching business. You can learn a lot about weight loss and health by listening to the Wits and Weights podcast. Philip, can you tell our audience how they can reach you?
0: Sure, definitely the podcast. As you just mentioned, you can follow it right now since you're listening to this one, Wits and Weights. You can find me on Instagram at Wits and Weights. And then I have a free metabolism assessment on my website witsandweights.com
1: oh Oh, witsandweights.com i'm going to it right away i didn't didn't see that one. yeah and thank um, you we'd like to we'd like to ask our listeners to please subscribe to our late boomers podcast on your favorite platform and please give us a five-star review and you can also find us on youtube on our late boomers podcast channel please subscribe there we have over 150 episodes so far, and we give you a new one every week. So please follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkinson at Late Boomers. We always try to inform, entertain, and inspire you. Thanks again, Philip.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here, and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.